this is Charlie Stumbaugh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, Colorado. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe for our weekly content to encourage your faith. Let's listen in as Pastor Jason brings the message. So last weekend uh, was an interesting weekend for me. Uh, this is Pastor Jason from Leadville. Um, we went down to Cortez, Colorado for a bike race called the 12 Hours of Mesa Verde. It's right outside Mesa Verde National Park, um, just outside of Cortez there. And while racing, uh, you know, I've been training on my trainer a good bit, have done a winter series here in Leadville. I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, down there for this race, coming into it feeling pretty good, had a solid team. It's a relay and you do these 16-mile loops over and over for 12 hours with your team. So you kind of rotate that. And I'm doing that with a couple of great friends, Heath and David, who are super strong bikers. And I had the privilege because I had to leave early on Saturday or as early as possible to get back here Saturday night so I could preach Sunday. Um, we, we had it so I would go first. And the first, the way they start this race is you're at the fairgrounds, the Montezuma Fairgrounds. And to start the race, all the racers, they had in waves, kind of a staggered start. And somehow we were in the first wave. And you start the race by running to your bike, maybe two or 300 yards sprint. And then you jump on your bike and take off through this big rodeo ground, fairground thing with everybody cheering and, and head out for your loop on these really fun trails. So we're up there and I'm in my, you know, you just have to picture the scene. It's kind of ridiculous. All of us grown adults in spandex and fancy little bike shoes with helmets on. And you know, the, the cannon goes off and you're racing full on sprint to your bike. And I'm not the fastest racer runner by any means. But somehow I made it to my bike ahead of most of the group there. And then, uh, and Heath had it right there at the beginning of the corral. So I jumped on it and raced out. And lo and behold, starting out this race that ended up being five or 600 people overall rotating, but a, a fair amount of people, I was in first place. I made it out of that corral first. And I was uh, pretty excited by that. I think I yelled, I'm in the lead as I went past everybody, just kind of jokingly, which was really fun for about a minute. So I came out of the fairgrounds ahead of everybody, hit the first gravel road, and then you go under a, a highway there and then climb the other side. And as soon as I got to this climb on the other side, I'm still in the lead. I'm, I'm right out there in front. And uh, as soon as I started up this hill, I realized something, something that, that I found pretty troubling. I realized that somewhere, maybe back at camp, maybe in my car, maybe at the start line, somewhere I had left my legs. Yeah, you heard me right, my legs. I had nothing. There, there was zero strength. My legs felt like lead from the waist down. As soon as I started pedaling up this hill, I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't warm up. Maybe that run did something weird to my legs, but I felt like I had zero strength, like they were just lead. And I'm trying to get my body into gear, and it's, you know, seven in the morning, and I, I should have warmed up better. I probably should have done a lot of different things better, but I'm going, and I just felt 
completely awful. Maybe like I was going at 30%. It was rather disappointing. And of course, there's a lot. I didn't realize this either. I should have. But there are a lot of strong bikers in the Durango area. And there were people from all over Colorado and all over the, the area, the country, biking in this race. And for the next hour and a half, I did nothing but hear people behind me go, mind if I pass? Mind if I pass? Excuse me, coming through. And it was one of the most, well, it, probably not the most, but it was a rather humbling experience. And, and just to see, and we ended up doing well. And eventually, I think six or seven miles in, my legs did decide to show up. I don't, I don't know where they were hiding, but they did decide to show up and it went much better. And we ended up doing okay. But I just remember watching these people fly by me and my legs feel like, you know, lead and they're flying by me. And I'm thinking, holy cow, that is some power. Like, Kids, like young guys, like in their teens or, you know, 20s, power just racing past me. And it was, it was pretty cool to see. And on a side note, it's also a little scary. Uh, my son, who's 15, also did the race with some friends. And he was only three or four minutes behind me on each lap as far as time-wise. I, I never saw him, but he was not that far off, which is a little scary. I'm not sure how I feel about that at this point. You know, I know it's going to happen, but this soon? Come on, really? But anyway, I say all this and have this lengthy introduction because watching these people go by, I'm just impressed, like blown away by their power, by the power in their life. And they make it look so easy. And it's just so incredible to watch and to, to see and, and humbling. And I think for many of us, a lot of times in our lives, we pray for power. We pray for strength. We pray for ability. And sometimes those prayers are for spiritual power. Um, sometimes they're simply prayers for health or strength in our bodies, energy in our bodies, and, and things like that. We spend a lot of time praying for, for our health, praying for the health of others. And these are perfectly fine things to pray for, perfectly okay to pray for. We should pray for strength, for power, for um, greater um, just impact in areas of our life. But what we're going to see in our scripture today from the book of Ephesians is how Paul prays and I think models prayer. You know, we, we often pray the way it's modeled to us, right? We want to follow the model of prayers that, that just blow the mind of God. That might sound weird, but prayers that God looks at and says, yeah, I'll honor that prayer. And he hears them all but prayers that, that make God's ears perk up a little, right? We want to model those kind of prayers. We want, to, we want to declare those kind of prayers. And the best way, examples we can find of those, I think many of them come from, from Paul. So we're going to look at how Paul prays in chapter 3 here and, and how he does that. And not just prayers for health, not just prayers for strength and, and for a long life, things like that, right? We often just pray for those things, but, but a different prayer, a deeper prayer. So follow with me. If you have your Bible, we're in Ephesians chapter 3. And, and as we've mentioned last week, or you probably heard last week, chapter 3 begins with Paul saying, for this reason, of course, pointing back to chapter 2, where he's just declared 
these amazing truths of Jew and Gentile being made one, of, of, of us being forgiven and brought from death to life because of the kindness and mercy of God in Jesus and how we're his workmanship, his handiwork created to do these good works in Christ. All these amazing truths. And then verse chapter 3 begins, for this reason. And then Paul almost pauses and he inserts verses 1 through 14. 1 through 13, right? All, he goes into this mystery again, this glorious mystery that's been sealed in God's heart, in God's mind for ages that, that even the angels in heaven and the demonic spirits in hell aren't aware of. This great mystery of all having access to the Father, all having access to salvation and forgiveness and life through the gospel, through Jesus' death. In resurrection, through his life, death, and resurrection. This incredible mystery that must have just sent the heavens uh, just exploding with joy and hell just cowering in fear, right? The Spirit of God now alive within his church. All these incredible things. So Paul goes into that. He, he has to say more for this reason, and then he kind of goes back to this mystery and all we are in Christ. And then he continues in verse 14. For this reason, Again, he states, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. So I kneel before God who created every tribe, every nation, every ethnicity, every person on the face of the earth. I kneel before this God in this posture of prayer and complete dependence on his sovereignty and grace. I kneel before this God and I pray that out of his glorious riches, so Paul is praying for his church, for his people, for his listeners. And he's praying with confidence, knowing that God can supply everything he asks for. Knowing that God is able. It's uh, just an amazing posture of prayer. I think we often come to God in prayer. And whether we realize it or not, as, as I was praying today, I felt like God led me to just confess this myself. God, I often pray without fully believing you want to answer my prayers. God, I often pray, and the way I pray maybe indicates that I don't believe you can actually do what I'm asking you. God, a lot of times we pray, um, maybe not fully believing God wants to or will or is willing to answer or hear our prayers. And that's not Paul's problem here. He says, God, out of your glorious riches, that because of God's faithfulness, because of his love, because of his desire to bless and strengthen and be with his people. That's where he's praying from. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. So Paul is asking for God out of his riches to strengthen the people in Ephesus, his, his listeners and us with power, with the strength and power Right? Not strength and power that'll make a bike go fast or that'll give us health for the next 30 years or give us, you know, health into our old age or whatever that helps fight arthritis and, you know, our hair falling out. Not that he's not asking for these kind of things. He's praying that God may give us strength and power through his spirit in your inner being. So Paul is praying this same spirit, this Holy Spirit who in, in chapter 1, verse 13, seals us. The same Spirit who gives us this wisdom and revelation, the same Spirit 
who lives in the church, who lives in the body of Christ. We see in chapter 2, the same spirit that he implores his listeners to be filled with in chapter 5, we'll see later. This spirit is who Paul is asking uh, for God to send to, to fill us with this power and strength in our inner being. So not externally, not God make me strong outside. I think that's a, a fine thing and we can pray that. But Paul is, is modeling and instructing his readers to pray for something so much deeper. Not just strength on the outside. Pray for God to strengthen and give you power in the core of who you are, in the center of your being. We want this depth, this richness, this power that comes from God, this power to stand strong, this power to go through some of the hardest circumstances, this power to endure trial and tribulation, this power to resist the attacks of the enemy, this power to resist that sinful nature that creeps in, this power that, that just, just gives us the supernatural strength, that God's Spirit will give us this. So this is his prayer. Give us this inner power, this inner strength. So that, so why do we need this inner strength, this inner power, this grounding that the Spirit can give us deep within our being? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now that sounds strange. Like, is Paul praying that they become Christians now and that they'll ask Jesus into their heart? You know, that Revelation chapter 3, you know, he's knocking on the door, open it up and let him in. No, I don't think that's what Paul's praying. He's praying for this inner power, this inner strength, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I think he's speaking of so that Christ always has this place to abide, this, this resting place, this, this place where he takes up residency, he inhabits. And it's not that God leaves and comes back and goes, and, but, but it's, it's praying that God would be fully established, that Christ Jesus would be fully established in our hearts, that we would have such an inner strength, an inner power, that there's not a moment, not a place, not a, a section in our being, in the core of who we are, in our will, in our virtue, in our, in our anywhere in us where Christ isn't welcome, where Christ isn't given preeminence, where he's not um, fully admitted, right? I heard uh, D.A. Carson great evangelist preaching on this text, talked about, you know, buying a house, a, a, a great fixer-upper. And I think many of us can resonate with that. I know I certainly can, taking time to fix up an old house and how you, you buy this house. And it's a mess, right? I remember our house in Detroit, my dad fixed up when I was a, a kid. It, it had been vacant for 12 years. And before it went vacant, I believe, I could be mixing this up. I was young. But it was an old woman who lived there and had dogs and cats everywhere. The house was covered in poop. There were holes in the roof, so everything was rotting out. It was this beautiful, old, big home in, in downtown Detroit. And my dad went in and room by room went through and fixed that entire house up and made it beautiful. But the whole idea is when we ask God into our lives, when we ask Christ into our hearts, Sometimes our, our life, most of the time, I would probably say all the time, we resemble that fixer-upper, right? Like we've got Jesus now. We're, we're making these changes, but man, there's some work to be done. And this idea of, of Holy Spirit strengthen us with inner power and strength, like give us the power to just open every part of this house, this, 
this, this person that I am. Open every room, every door, every closet, and, and let the Holy Spirit do, it, do its work in me so that Christ may dwell in every area of my life and make me, make me a new person. Just opening up every area that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Again, it's through our trusting, through our letting him in, but this prayer that, that the Holy Spirit would, would partner with us in that, in doing that, that he would give us the power and enable us to do that through faith. So I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So he continues again, he's praying again. So first is, is this prayer to be strengthened through the Holy Spirit and have that power so Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith have that residency, that, that place of belonging that, that we've that, that has been made available through faith. And he also prays that we would be rooted and established in love. And I love that line. Love that line. I pray. One of the, the prayers I've prayed for my daughter, she's 12 now, beautiful young woman. One of the prayers I've prayed more than any other for her as she's grown, is that she would know that she's loved, right? And I don't just pray that. I, I tell her, I, I hope I'm demonstrating that daily, that, that she is loved, that she's loved by her dad and her mom, that she's loved by Jesus, that she is loved, that she would be confident in the love we have for her. Friends, there's a lot that can go wrong when we're not confident that we're loved. Right? How many of us have struggled in relationships, have struggled in life because we're trying to find love in places we shouldn't? It was that song, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? How many in our world today are completely broken and lost and enslaved to addictions, enslaved to bad habits, enslaved to so many things because of our desire to be loved and looking for it in inappropriate ways? right? It, it can wreck our lives, right? I don't want my daughter trying to, to be affirmed, trying to feel validated, feel loved, feel accepted through relationships with other people, through friendships or boyfriend or anything like that. I want her to know she's loved and then be able to experience healthy love in those relationships, right? Paul is saying here, I pray that we would be rooted in so you're just picturing roots going deep down into soil that is love. The love of God is the soil and our roots go deep down into it, that, that we would be grounded, that we would have deep roots in, in, in our yeah, strength, our sustenance, everything would come from the love of Christ. That's what we're grounded in and established kind of is terms for like a building foundation. A building is established on love, rooted and established, like grounded. Our foundation is in love. I pray that you be rooted and established in love, in the love of God and the love of his glory, that we may have power again, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, to try to get our minds around, to fully apprehend how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Right, to grasp something that we can barely even begin to. It's like trying to hold water in your hand, trying to, to grasp it, trying to, to apprehend that, trying to 
fully own it. Like it's, it's impossible. But Paul's praying that we might, being rooted in love, have a deeper understanding, not just in our heads, but to really know, truly know how expansive, how all-encompassing, how incredible is the love of Christ. Right? He's not praying that we might love God better. He's not praying that we might learn how to be better Christians in how we love Jesus. He's praying that we would know Jesus' love for us better and better. And not just know it. It says, verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That word know is so much more than I think we realize. That that word know means to fully experience, to fully take hold of, right? To fully realize this love, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. When we begin to know the love of Jesus in our hearts, that becomes that foundation, that that soil that gives us confidence to go through every trial, every tribulation, every challenge of life. Paul prays that we would have this power within us, this strength within us to live with Christ at the center of everything we are. And to live in that place is, is to know his love, to experience his love, to taste it, to drink it in deeply, to know it personally. This love that we'll never be able to fully grasp, it surpasses knowledge, to never be able to fully understand it, but to keep pressing in to know it more. Paul, in this letter, just keeps asking, Holy Spirit, you do your work. God, give us wisdom in revelation. Open the eyes of our heart. Let us know the love of God. Let us know God better. Let us be filled with God's love that surpasses knowledge, the height and depth and width that, 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 is, that just encompasses everything. Let us know it better and better and better and live from that place. He finishes up this section, and this actually finishes up the first half of the, the letter, which is on, on Christ and more doctrinal, and then he moves into the more practical next. But with this great doxology, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, it's his power, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Friends, my prayer is that we would just uh, learn to pray like Paul for ourselves, for those around us, that we would learn to pray not just prayers for things we need or things we desire. um, Yeah, I know personally, sometimes my prayers can be pretty wishy-washy, pretty surfacy, that we would pray, God, rip my heart open. Fill me with power. Fill me with strength. Fill me with you, Jesus. Fill me with you. Let me know your love deeper and deeper and deeper and let that love carry me through everything that comes my way. I pray that I might know you better. Lord, thank you so much, God, for these words. Thank you for your incredible words can't even express, as Paul has tried to do here. Words can't even express just the glory of your love. Let us understand your love deeper and deeper. I pray, open our hearts to your love. I pray, give us a a fire this week just to, to go after, not necessarily loving you more, 
but just giving space and opportunity and time to experience your love for us. God, I pray that you blow us away with that. I pray that you open our eyes in new and fresh and incredible ways to to this revelation. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we are so honored that you are with us today. Remember, subscribe to the show and check out our website at cornerstonechurchco.com for more resources.